Hey Alex, welcome to Airhex FM. Hey, yeah. Thanks for for having me here. Yeah, sure. The only reason is I would like, really would like to know what was your first computer. I don't even remember. Uh, Whoa. I was born back in Soviet Union. It was 1987, and it was computer at my house because my mom she she is a software developer since many years ago. And cool. uh, when uh, she was pregnant, she st- stood home uh, with me and. Uh, they managed to move the computer, and it was actually a big deal to move computer that days because it was really big and heavy. <laughs> hey, so th- your mother did uh, remote work in 1987, right? Yeah, yeah, when it wasn't that popular. It is a crazy. So you you were like no forty times, forty years, no, not thirty five years ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, she used Fortran, as I remember, something yeah. like that. So uh, I had my first computer. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, I but do uh, what she wrote in games. what she wrote in Fortran. This what interests me. One one of the projects, uh, as I remember, one of the projects was about the deepest well. You know, they drill wells here, like everywhere in Russia, they drill wells because they have oil. Uh, and one day they decided, and and they have kind of like uh, attitude to have biggest, deepest, largest. Okay. And uh, one of the projects was about deepest well. So they drill the deepest well. Uh, it's uh, even deeper than marine uh, hole. Wow. So it's okay. over uh, 11 uh, kilometers down. Okay. Uh, and one of the projects was about calculating. You need to calculate everything to understand where the drill goes and whatever. Something about that. But it was like real computer science. It's not what we okay. do now. It's not web applications. It is uh, something that computer was invented for to help people with physics to calculate yeah. things and not to click buttons only. <laughs> but uh, the question is: Is it really invented for that? But uh, I agree with you. This interesting project and lots of math because Fortran, you know, there was uh, uh, Fortran is very good in math, so it was good for simulation of your drills. Very good. So uh, you don't remember the computer, but this was maybe your first computer, the big one from your mother, right? Yes, yes. And I remember I was playing games a lot till maybe I went to school. And then uh, it was not, uh, it was that interesting any longer. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't play games any, uh, I haven't played games for maybe 20 years by now. Mm -hmm. But uh, if if you, if you, if you, okay, so why you stopped playing games? Because it was too easy for for most people, for, for many kids like me, it was you need to find a place where you can play because you don't, you don't have your computer at home. So you go to some certain club and then it just, you know, it challenges you. Uh, and for me, it was too easy. You just go home and here you go. You can play. It's so like, you know. What you did, did then? So you stopped gaming and then what you did? Yeah, it was uh, pretty much computer science. That's what I started with. Yeah, but, uh, but, but, but uh, as kids, you sta- but as, as a kid, you started programming, I assume, right? Yes, yes. Which which was the first programming language you started? Pascal. Okay. Then Visual Basic. And why you started? What was your first program you wrote? Uh, a plus B. Ah, okay. <laughs> it equals C, ho- ho- hopefully. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and then what? why? Uh, it was too easy, but what you wanted to invent or to implement or to write it wasn't it, it was something like that it was like i i had clear understanding that computer science is gonna uh, is gonna develop into a huge industry mm-hmm. that's that, that was my kind of like internal feeling that mm-hmm. uh there is something big coming and then my father he was a teacher of math uh mm-hmm. actually a professor at the university Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mom, she was a software developer, so I had no choice, basically. I got my <laughs> first uh, degree in mathematics and became a software developer. And you enjoyed mathematics? As, I as love kids? mathematics. Mm-hmm. Nothing to argue about. Yeah, that's true. That's the best part of mathematics. If you go to any, pretty much any industry, then you can, even uh, computer science, you can argue if you need DTOs or you don't. Yeah. But if you go to mathematics, there is no empty room for arguing. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is very true. So this is also what I like. But um, you 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 studied math. I didn't study math, but there is a thing called differential equations. I think this is the right term. Differential and this equations. is for me. I I look at that and I didn't like it anymore because for me it was like 
This was the is is differential equations the approximation of of for instance an array under a graph, which is not is is this one? Uh, actually, it is uh, in computer science. We live in uh, you know like in particles. No, but wait a second. You're a mathematician. Maybe this is wrong term. So uh, imagine a graph, which is you know yes. not a, a not a um, ellipse ellipses just 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 a graph, which just is normal, uns- yeah normal function yeah not normal function. It is something which is uh, not cannot be easily described as a function. And then you would like to to compute, calculate the area under this graph. So there is a mathematic uh, approach for it. And uh, I think it's a differential equation, I think. But I forgot the term. But this is what I learned. I didn't like it anymore because it was... Integral. 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 So, and and with the integral, so, okay, this is now, you know, this is like a soft thing. So I didn't like it at all back then. But for computers, <laughs> it's great because with the integral, is nothing else like a for loop, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, but back then, you know, the without the computer knowledge, I hated the integral because you, you, you know, always math was zero or one, and then the integral comes, and this was like you know a rough approximation of something. We say, okay, now now it's over, right? You can talk the entire day there in front, but now it's no just approximation. Yeah, it, it, it is actually not because they have kind of like limits and they show that actually they can uh, they can calculate it uh, absolutely precisely with zero percent. Yeah, but back then it was fluffy for me, you know? With the integral, yeah, yeah, it was I, fluffy. I, I totally understand what you're saying because, uh, you know, many teachers I uh, met in my life, many professors, uh, you 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 listen to them. They say something, and then you don't understand anything. It sounds really overcomplicated. And then you go to 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 some certain book. You Google for best book for, for example, mm-hmm. differential equations. You read everything, and everything is so easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it depends on actually teachers a lot. Uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah. most of them, they're trying to. Uh, in, in my actually, in my experience, mm-hmm. they they're trying to show them smarter than they are. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to make things way more complicated than they are. So yeah. they look smarter. Very like software <laughs> engineering, right? So uh, this is... Yeah, it is. It is. Architects in software projects. Some architects are very common, you know, share very common characteristics. Yeah, if you cannot come up with new architecture, you come up with new terms. Very That's good. That's what you do. You're very good. So sp- we spent uh, time in, in same projects, it uh, seems like. So to listeners of the podcast, <laughs> whenever... Whenever I said, you know, uh, um, differential equations, actually I meant integral. I confused both terms. This is what I always said, you know, um, this is what I really didn't like. But uh, as a computer came, so for me it was like, it is a computer program, right? So this is the rough approximation and the often you do this, the more precise it gets. So for me it was clear then. So very good. Thank you. So I learned something. So uh, perfect. So uh, you knew that computer becomes become important. So you started with A plus B. And and now the question is, you know, what happens then? What was your first interesting program or software you wrote? What was the idea behind? As I said, my father, uh, he is a professor, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they need to somehow uh, prove that they're still in the right, uh, in good conditions with, with, with their mental abilities, and they have some kind of like competition to stay like teaching in the university. Well, wow. I don't know how how this called. I, I don't even know, but he said like I need uh, to write a like scientific article, but I don't know what to do. So basically, the first program that was really program that worked somewhere that uh, that brought uh, something good to this world uh, was this program to calculate magnetic impulse, whatever. whatever. I don't, you did it. I don't even remember. Yes, yes, yes. I was uh, at, uh, at the high school at the time. So we did it together. So I have uh, I, I have one article written me and my father, or even two articles. Wow, that, that's that, that's cool. So high school means you were twelve? Oh uh, no no no! It was high school. It was maybe thirteen, something like that. Thirteen, okay. fourteen, something like that. But yeah, I mean, like that was my first program. That actually I did it for my father, and then I realized that I actually used in some you know like uh, somewhere else. Where mm-hmm. they do all this like magnetic impulse stamping, whatever they do, uh, and uh, then like in two years, I get a request saying like your program doesn't work any longer because it's new, like Windows came, and uh, can you please build it for us again? I was like, really, some somebody's using this, and like it was a big surprise for me. This was actually as uh, not at, at at university. Something similar happened to me. So I wrote a book a long time ago about Java, and I wrote a small framework in the book. 
And because I had no name for the framework, I called that SGL, SJF, Small Java Framework. And then maybe 10 years later, I got requests for a company. They're using this framework in production, which really scared me because it was just, you know, uh, just <laughs> like uh, uh, for, for me, just, you know, something to do for the book. And which license it actually has? Can they use it? And, and I say, wow, I say, for what? And, and it turned out that and actually production lines are using this this thing. But I, I, I you know, responded, do whatever you like, but be careful. This was just, you know, I wrote it for the book because my problem is I'm consultant. I cannot just give, you know, to the book my real code. So yeah, I don't want to be responsible for consequences you're going to Yeah, get but the problem production. is, no, if you're a consultant, you have to sign all the NDAs with all the clients. And this is actually not really good to, you know, to, uh, to open source their code, right? So what I what I usually do, if there's something to explain, I rewrite it from scratch to, to, to show the point. This is also what I did in the framework. So this fr framework was half-backed and just you know, demonstrated the points, but it was in production and they used that. And there was, maybe they said, okay, maybe they violated some licenses. Like, don't worry, but never heard about the, the, them again, which was, it was a huge company. Actually, it was Fuji or Fujitsu <laughs> or something like this. Fujitsu. So, Fujitsu or Fuji, some, but one of, yeah, uh, nice companies actually, and really kind of them that they asked, right? So okay, you, we, we found that you wrote the framework, and and I answered, yeah, you are the only one who uses the framework, right? Maybe so. <laughs> yeah, I got I got kind of like this uh, same experience maybe five years ago or maybe seven years ago when I first started to write articles everywhere, like Dzone, other uh, other playgrounds, uh, wherever mm -hmm. you can read my articles and find them. Um, and then I got a request from some university student, and she asked me about if I can, if she can use my article uh, for her whatever masters. And I was like, "Yeah, sure. It's like published in the internet. You can just take it and go. Uh, you can even say that you uh, you wrote this." I mean, yeah. like I have no. <laughs> Um, and actually she said like, uh, it would be great if you license your articles. And then it was a big shock for me because I thought by that time that you don't, you don't like, you license only your source code. And normally you do it at page to zero or GPL yep. or something like mm -hmm. that. But then when you realize that in the, in the modern world, you need to also license everything you do, every mm -hmm. outcome you need to license to let mm -hmm. other people to use it without fear. That was uh, a big, a big shock for, for me. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, your article was uh, you didn't propagate the DTOs. We will come to the later, right? Because this would be a huge damage. You know, if you write something about DTOs, it should be you know not copyright uh, license. You cannot use it, right? This this would be the, the license. Yeah, it was about DTOs. I don't even remember what it was about. No problem. It was just kidding. So okay, I think no one can compete with you now because your first program you wrote was at high school about. Uh, electromagnetic impulse in Turbo Pascal, right? No, no, that was Delphi. But yeah, generally Turbo Pascal. Delphi is, <laughs> is, is great. Okay. Uh, I'm already afraid to ask you about the, your next software piece you've wrote. What was it? There is a Russian company called 1C. 1C? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, if you write it, it's 1C, but it, it is more funny that if you pronounce it, Russian mm -hmm. would pronounce it 1S. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So it would sound a bit, you know... Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, improperly, uh, but yeah, and it is a big company, a really good company. The first company that brought big uh, IT business to Russia. They, they, uh, it, it is kind of like Russian Salesforce, if you want. Okay. Uh, and uh, that was my first job, also with computer science. Mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, for example, you have some. Uh, they have kind of like box. Products. But this was after study, I guess, right? No, no, no. During during studies. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was like I I, I didn't live in a family that can you know like survive without kids working. <laughs> and, 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 and in the uh, and you studied computer science, right? Yes. Okay, very good. Um, so what did it for the company? Uh, it was uh, it's not a company. It's basically uh, this one one C thing. They provide it's like Salesforce. Uh, box product that absolutely won the market, Russian market for accounting software. Okay. And by that time, it was a nightmare with like uh, black accounting, as we call it. So basically, people count their money under the table uh, and show mm -hmm. to the government then they ordered nothing to to not to not be paying tax. Okay. Uh, and the biggest business for uh, that time was just to, you know to to map one accountant uh, accounting software to another. So they have real accounting and accounting that they show to the government. Ah, and shadow they needed accounting, to map okay. it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and and, and it, this but, was the software. The one has created the mapping software or not? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> 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 they can, they couldn't do it officially. So basically, uh, I, I needed to handshake these two uh, things, and then uh, this is the first uh, time when it was a question how to handshake this software uh, using like middle tier or uh, at the le a database level tier because I started with the database and then I realized that it should be also business logic in the middle. Uh, Which database I, was it? Uh, that time it was their appropriate database. Later on, they enabled also Postgre. Okay. So this was your first enterprise project. Which programming language? Delphi again? No, no. They, they have their own. They have their own. Language? It's it, yeah, it's written in Russian. <laughs> the language? <laughs> yes. Wow. This is almost like Apple script. I think it's also, you can also uh, translate AppleScript to different languages. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, but, but it was like totally Russian and you couldn't translate it to English. Wow. This is a DSL. Yeah, kind of, kind of. It's a Or big RSL, DSL. Russian specific language, right? Yes, yeah, something like that. It, it is, uh, it is uh, like PLSQL, but bigger and more specific towards account. Oh, it's not bad. Okay, and what happened then? Then, then, uh, then I went to the United States mm -hmm. uh, and studied there. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that the world is big. It's really big and lots of uh, different interesting things happening. And so you started, you started in U.S., right? Uh, after I graduated from the uh, mm -hmm. Russian university, then, yes, moved to U.S. for, for a bit. And then I realized that uh, the world is really big and software is growing. Uh, and if you miss one day in software development, you're going to need two days to just catch up. Uh, and then I started to uh, move towards like classic development. And then it was C-sharp. Uh, first, moving wow. from Delphi to C Sharp was absolutely nice. Then it was fab experience, first fab experience with Silverlight, as I remember. Ah, okay. And C Sharp was just, you know, it, it was Microsoft Silverlight. This is like a Flash or HTML5. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. When Flash, yeah, when Flash died. But Silverlight uh, was huge. Even Olympics ran on Silverlight, I think. Yeah, right? I believe so. I believe yeah. so. So they, they uh, basically uh, Silverlight was good, uh, and at, at the first stages it was just. By, by the way, I used Flash to write games, but it's just for as a bad project. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, then Flash died. Then it was Silverlight, and then I uh, came to the world of Java, and it was Why? just because C sharp stage, is already good. I mean, C sharp is yeah, a yeah, great yeah, language. Yeah, yeah, right? I, I, it is. It is in many in many ways. It, it is uh, people gonna blame me. But in many ways, it was way better than Java. So, for example, uh, what they call it, uh, Linku. Linku, mm -hmm. uh, to work with collections, is absolutely amazingly... Link. This was this Link framework. You can use uh, SQL queries on collections, on SQL... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was so readable. It was so, yeah. like, in Java, you write, like, loops, yeah. and there you just say what you want to get. This was like Java streams, but earlier, right? Like Java to stream, but it way earlier more and more declarative. powerful. And it more is powerful. even more declarative. Yeah. But uh, C Sharp was, came after Java, and C Sharp comes with lots of features which Java didn't have. So, for instance, yeah. C Sharp had uh, attributes, I think, and they are Java annotations before Java had annotations. So, I've seen... Properly. Yeah, C, -sharp had, C, -sharp, C Sharp had many features which Java doesn't have because the C Sharp uh, moved faster. But uh, what I remember, I C Sharp was not as backward compatible as Java is. So the reason why Java moved slower is because of the backward compatibility. Yeah, for sure. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, this is because, this is this uh, is always the trade-off. Right? They didn't mm -hmm. give promises that they needed to keep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and if you open any Windows computer, you're gonna find like uh, .NET Framework uh, 1.0, .NET Framework 1.1, .NET yeah. Framework 3.5. Mm -hmm. Four, four point, and you need massive number of this just to get something working. Mm -hmm. uh, with Java, you just need to have Java of certain version, and yeah. everything else is going to be working fine. And now you we are don't talking, need, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I came to Java World, and at first it was uh, for which me, version you like, came? Which version you used in Java first? Java five before they changed serialization. Before they changed serialization, so it was probably Java 5. Serialization or, was changed in 1.4. You mean the exceptions? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yes, yes, yes. Then it's gonna, uh, it was like uh, 1.3. Well, yeah, bro broke again. the serialization because the new exceptions had, you know, the uh, the 
course, I think in, 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 inside the exception zone, it was no more serializable. I think it was one four one five. Okay. Yes, yeah, something some like there. And I, I do remember that my first thing was it was software that that was created before me, and they said like now you need to get this working on the new version of Java. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about backwards compatibility a few seconds ago, if you remember. So yeah. <laughs> they said me you need to run this on that, uh, and that was my first uh, Java experience. And you that like this? Which which IDE are you back then? Eclipse, I assume. Eclipse. Yeah. And what was your uh, impression? Because it came from from, from Visual Studio, from Visual Studio, Studio to Eclipse. So you liked the experience or not? Or ah, uh, it was nightmare. Okay. It was nightmare. <laughs> honestly, Visual Studio was just like few steps ahead at that okay. time. Okay. Uh, and Eclipse, I remember that it, it, it really took me quite a while to, to make it like working. And that mm-hmm. project was quite big and I couldn't run it. Like uh, I couldn't open many windows there. And then it also would get broken. And then you like uh, install another plugin that gets broken again. And then you remove this plugin, but it doesn't repair the, the, the whole thing. Then you remove any file and this kind of like things you need mm-hmm. to, it, it actually it's magic. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? And then, by bless of God, it's working again. And then, uh, I, actually, I, I, I did two shifts in my life that I never had regrets with. Uh, first, I moved from Eclipse to IntelliJ. Mm-hmm. Never get back. By the way, in my software, uh, by that time, I was the head of software development department, and I was the wait, last wait a second. Using this, Eclipse. The this last. was this was in uh, this was in US. And which project was in it? Russia, roughly? In Russia. It, it was in Russia. In Russia, okay. And which industry was it? Was it still the accounting? Obviously, oil and gas. Oil and gas industry. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, it's n- not many industries. So, so you were around. you were in US and then moved back to Russia? Yes, I had to, uh, mm-hmm. due to some uh, personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, actually, I worked with Java even before. Uh, but yeah, it was little projects. But that project, I, I do remember uh, like about two things. Uh, one thing, I moved to IntelliJ. That was amazing. Uh, and another experience was moving to Spring Boot. Spring, uh-huh. th- this, uh, this move uh, from Java EE to Spring. That was wow. also very good. I have one question regarding IntelliJ, because uh, what I was told, what I don't get in IntelliJ, why the shortcuts are so strange? And I w- went to the, to the booth, and I remember delete a line in IntelliJ is command Y or something. And they told me, because it's Russian, this Y means something like delete in Russian. So m- most of the shortcuts make sense in Russian. Is it true? that uh, y, y is uh, like Russian, U. Yeah. U means udalit, but I think, uh, which means delete. Ah, udalit. Okay. This explains, like, you know, in Eclipse, Remove. in Eclipse was D, delete. In NetBeans was E, erase. And you are coming with Y. <laughs> y is like, yes, why it call you Y? And they say, okay, because it's Russian. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, it. like, that's that's just, I, I, I'm i quite sure that's just a nice story behind. Okay. I think they did it. The story is, that, the story is, they told me the story. The story is that they started with uh, File Explorer. And this was the, this were the shortcuts from the file explorer. So this is what I what I learned back then. Yeah, and then yeah. they started with the IDE, and this is all the shortcuts. That's, this is absolutely amazing story. Let me just retell it every uh, everywhere because yeah, I gonna uh, I gonna cooperate you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's absolutely amazing story, especially so, for Russian friends. Just to say that common Y is because it's uh, similar to common U, which is uh, common udalit, which is common remove. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this was the the explanation, and then strangely enough, I remember that, and now know <laughs> that IntelliJ Y is uh, is delete because it's Russian. So for, from this point in time, I remember the the shortcut. But um, <laughs> so, but um, you said from Java E. So um, I don't know whether you know me, but I use Java E all the time, and I really like the experience. But uh, um, the question is, what you did with Java E? Because uh, we use you know. Glassfish, Whitefly, Open Liberty, and the servers were very lean and very fast. And you make made bad experience, what I understood, right, with Java E. So why it was so terrible what you did? Uh, probably it, because first every experience is personal. So yeah, I yeah. Don't no, no, I just wanted to know. Others, I'm really interested because so far the guests to, like it, they, and you are the first to say it doesn't. So it just interests me. What what was the problem with the Java E back then? 
It was very verbose. It uh, thought about every aspect of software development, making uh, its uh, configuration way more harder, harder comparing Spring. And if you just start with, uh, it, it was my start, basically. They brought me like Java EE software. But it's an old one, it. right? This was, it seems, seems like old. Because I was... It was 2000, like, it was 2008 or 2009. Okay, but it's still old. Back in 2006, something like that. Still, still old, because uh, what happened, um, this is funny. Uh, recently, I delivered a talk for Chicago Java user group. It was recorded. You can you can watch it if you like. But yeah, um, I did. You did. Yeah, I, I did. yeah. Thank you. So um, and I showed you know a very old software, which I use now as Lambda, and this was Lean. You saw it's just Pojos and and the and the attendees said, okay, crazy that Java is Lean. There was nothing, and they were impressed. So what I assume, what you used was J two EE. This was the last version with lots of XML. Yes, so the, yes. Yeah, the J2E came, I think it was over in 2005. As I remember, 2006, we got Java E6, which removed all the configuration, so I never use XML again. And you were just, you know, three, four years old That's software. what I'm saying. Like, you cannot... Uh, no, but you so, cannot you, excuse me, I understand you. I understand you right now. Yeah, ask experiences to yeah. others, because you get something, you, you, you have this bad experience with maybe good thing. And mm -hmm. then uh, you move to something, you learn it very well, and then mm -hmm. you cannot get back. Mm -hmm. Actually, Eclipse is not that bad today, comparing to what it was. No, uh, Eclipse was, nev was never bad. The problem with Eclipse I had was that in all projects, they didn't use Eclipse. They used Eclipse with plus 500 various plugins. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, this was the problem. And if I move yeah, from exactly. company to company, for me, I had no kidding. I remember I had a Windows machine and maybe 30 different Eclipse work workspaces with different set of plugins, which are not compatible with each other. So I have to keep track, you know, which company uses which sets of plugins. It's like, you are all crazy. I cannot do this anymore. And then I discovered NetBeans. And this was just great because there were no plugins. It was just, you know, software. But um, I was plugins, curious uh, about... And, and interesting about Spring. So... um. I, I used Java E without any configuration. And the criticism back then, you saw the code in Chicago Java User Group, but the criticism was, okay, there is no configuration and Spring back then, you had to configure everything in XML and this is more explicit. So I you know people ask me why there is no configuration in Java E. I say, okay, because convention of a configuration. And back mm -hmm. then, Spring just loved, you know, to uh, to declare everything with XML back then. Thousands say, yeah. of lines, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't like this XML. I just like, you know, to put one annotation and, and it's done. And this is what you saw in Java user group. But I, I understood, so this was like maybe even Xtoclet. You know Xtoclet? This was an old generation tool which generated all the XML. Maybe yeah. it was very old. Okay, cool. So um, IntelliJ, I get it. So uh, nice tool. The problem I have, I am consultant and uh, I cannot just prescribe, you know, uh, to whoever what IDE to use. So I use right now Visual Studio Code and it's getting better and better. It's really interesting. But I have the toolbox from, from, from IntelliJ. So I almost won another license on the Java Chicago Java user group, but I already have one. Okay. Um, so what happens afterwards? So you did with Java with the... Uh, and then you moved to Spring Boot on IntelliJ, you said, right? Yes, yes. Uh, first, I did uh, the first move to Spring. And then I was absolutely the last uh, uh, guy in the department. I was the head of the department, the last guy in the department using Eclipse. And everybody was asking that day uh, to buy uh, a license for IntelliJ because it, it, it had no uh, like community edition version that, uh, mm -hmm. that day. And I was buying to one, to the second one, to third one, and so on and so on. So I was the last. And I was like, okay, let me try this. And then I tried it and stayed mm -hmm. forever till yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> And and you like the uh, fleet, the new one? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Fleet is uh, it has absolutely great experience for typing code, yeah. but it doesn't provide even one tenth of what IntelliJ provides. Yeah, it is very similar to Visual Studio Code. I was just curious about your opinion because the new IntelliJ is completely different, and for me, it looks like Visual Studio Code almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's correct. That's totally mm -hmm. correct. That's exactly my experience. Yeah, I'm really curious whether it would take off or not. So this is this is my my uh, this is really interesting to watch. Actually, uh, I use uh, Fleet. For for example, uh, Docker files for where, where I type a lot, and for Spring development, I use obviously uh, IntelliJ Ultimate. Okay, I use actually there's reason why I use Visual Studio Code because I uh, easily can open in a folder, you know, just to, for editing. So I can open, you know, twenty Visual oh. Studio codes just as editor, and it, mm -hmm. it, it also um, 
understands Maven out of the box, which is pretty cool. If you open true, a project true. with Maven, it just works. So this is what I like. Okay, cool. So uh, what happened then? So in one point, you started JPA Body, right? Actually, we started, I joined the company that I worked for. It's a British company called Volmont. And uh, that day, it, I joined a project for uh, kind of like Uber, for a taxi. Uh, so it's kind of the full stack taxi software mm -hmm. for everything, for booking, for... Okay. Uh, it was uh, quite high load, uh, so it mm -hmm. was quite interesting software. And then I realized that in that company, they use their own framework that they developed, which is totally fine. Every big company should have their own framework. Uh, and uh, if you don't, I'm, you I'm not that sure, but go ahead. Is your opinion? <laughs> it, it, sarcasm. Yeah, okay, okay, sarcasm. This is not this because you are a mathematician, you know, so this is not always obvious that it's sarcasm, okay? <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, I would never restart my own framework. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I gonna give, give a go to this story. Um, and they they have their own framework, which is was very nice. It used body and it was totally Java, like complete Java. You don't need to write any line of JavaScript, you're fine with IntelliJ Community Edition. They also Uh, then we started our first plugin to tie up code together uh, because in code you not only have like Java links, you also have, for example, XMLs and you want to uh, switch between XML code and related Java code, this kind of mm -hmm. things. So we started, th th that's how our first plugin started for IntelliJ. Then we started our own code, Cuba Studio. The name of the framework was Cuba for some reason. Uh, and um, uh, and uh, we this was at the British company, at the British company. Yeah. Okay. Cuba. It's, kind of, it's, it's a British Russian company, actually. Uh -huh. So they, they had offices in Russia, they had office in London. So yeah, we worked together and uh, we said, like, uh, okay, let's make it open source. So basically, we did our path towards open source and I joined that team uh, who worked on that framework. And uh, then we brought that framework to the market and then we realized that uh, to make people heavily use it, uh, Cuba framework. We needed to provide better experience with coding, and that's where we started uh, first plugin development. This Cuba platform, I was asked a question in one AirHex TV a few years ago, what I remember. Someone asked me, you know, the AirHex TV, this is what um, attendees ask me questions, or attendees, uh, I have a gist. And once a month, I answer all the questions, but I don't answer any technical questions via email, so this is the deal, so I save a lot of time. But the cool story is, There are already 127 episodes, so the, the show ra runs right now for eight years. And uh, mm -hmm. and the, what happens right now is I look back 100 episodes and you know, see what questions were asked eight years ago, which is funny, funny experience, actually. Yeah. <laughs> But someone asked about the Cuba, and I look at that, and they found interesting that this Cuba is based on JPA back then. So I remember that. Uh, yeah, so exactly. if I, if I, But sooner we should reach you know, the episode where this was asked, so I'm, I will see what I said, but uh, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, obviously we, we had uh, some problems with some wrong connotations with this name. Now it's renamed to Jamix framework, but actually the roots of GP body came from there and uh, we started this kind of like Cuba studio, now it's Jamix studio, to help people to adopt Jamix Cuba that days. And we use GP, as you said, and we had quite nice uh, designer, but Cuba is totally invasive. If you take it, It's a frame framework, yeah. right? Uh, if you take it, you go with it until you decide to completely rewrite entire software. But what was the business idea behind? Just fun, or I mean, why? Uh, it was for ourselves. We okay. thought that we are so smart to provide so uh, enterprise software faster and better than other. Mm -hmm. Jamix, you're right. Uh, now, now it's Jamix. Now it's Jamix. So basically, you take Java developer and they do everything. They do backend. They do front end. Uh, they you don't you don't need to cut tasks like by by slices. You cut it by logic. Mm -hmm. You say it should be some certain uh, some certain uh, module with these screens, this business logic, this like, schema, and uh, and so on and so on. So like so, uh, almost like a my point. What what do I do? Try you know I see you know this is like a silo with business logic and everything, right? Like a microservice top down everything. Uh, yeah, but it's not a microservice. It's kind no, of but, like monolith. It's yeah. more like a Microsoft Access in Java, if you want, yeah. or okay. Delphi in Java, if you want. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, nice. And and JPA is a fork of that, an early fork, and you and you kept involved. We used Eclipse Link. We used first Open GPA, then we used Eclipse Link. So But why JPA used... body happened? 
Why? Because Jamix was there and why JPA body? So what was the story behind? Yeah, the story behind is that when you uh, advocate for your framework, you understand that people, uh, they uh, see what's the window of your possibility to let people use it. Actually, you need to have someone who you reach, who you who you know, who know about uh, your, your your plugin that it actually yeah. exists. Yeah. First, you already cut ninety percent of the community, even mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, even if they know, even and even if they like it, they need they they need to have a new project. Mm -hmm. Even if they have a new project, they need to convince other team members. Even mm -hmm. if they convince other team members, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, it's like an, uh, it's like another, uh, thing that, uh, if you heard about it, uh, it was quite popular back, back uh, in 2008 in the US. I heard it, uh, many times that people say that nobody was fired because of buying IBM. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And nobody would be fired because of, uh, picking Java EE or Spring. Yeah. But you can easily be fired taking Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> so th this fear like uh, stays in the developers uh, so it was really hard and that that that's really amazing. So one day we realized that why people use Cuba is because our development tools because they see how easy it is to create like top bottom software. But w was it popular somehow or or Cuba or what, yeah, around how? maybe 25,000 developers something like that. Wow. Maybe. And when they they in Russia in UK or where? Everywhere. Okay. Paraguay, for example, my 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 one of the, the one of the most interesting business trips uh, with Cuba was to Paraguay. Cool. And what 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 they built in Paraguay with Cuba? Uh, core banking system. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, this is then then huge success story, right? It is just success story <laughs> without huge. <laughs> I, I mean, twenty five thousand developers. You said? Yeah. I mean, like it's fine. It's it's yeah. But I mean, this millions. is still. I mean, this is still for me is huge, right? So I mean, this is like a niche framework. Used by twenty five thousand developers, niche. yeah, but but a niche for twenty five thousand is, I mean, is still remarkable. Yeah, and, and it's open source, so basically we did like uh, tools uh, to to sell them. So basically, mm -hmm. you show tools where people can create their like top bottom projects really fast within like a few minutes. Uh, for example, uh, to replicate uh, Pet Clinic, you need like maybe thirty minutes. Cool, and this was a core banking system in Paraguay, runs on Cuba. Yes. So it's a Paraguay is does not that well. Maybe it was a bug in Cuba, right? Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> this was I mean, my like, joke now. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, So um, and then you created JPA body to 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 have some. We went to we went to many conferences showing Cuba, and they said like this is totally. But what you show, you cannot show framework. So this is the problem. You cannot show like this is the framework. You can show like paper. You can say this is 100 pages of documentation, and people are not excited about another 100 pages. So yeah. basically, another thing is to show them uh, software development too, like IDE, like Delphi of today. Yeah, they say like you click, click, click. You get your like uh, what you see is what again designers. You design your entities without understanding, without deep understanding of GPA. You get your like uh, SQL to migrate your database, like DML, uh, to migrate your database. Everything is nicely put together, and you don't need to even think how all this works. You you basically just follow your business. You develop your business logic. You get your software, and you deliver it. That's it. Mm -hmm. And low uh, code, low code, we could say, right? It was it, it, it was interface. Uh, to get a lot of code. That's mm -hmm. what I would put it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you wrote a lot of code and it generated a lot of code, right? So this was... Like, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. It was like one huge code generator for some specific platform. That days we also thought about maybe removing our own opinionated parts of that framework. But we kind of like had fear that if we don't do it for our own framework, we're not going to control this part of framework so it wouldn't be possible to create proper tools at mm -hmm. the same level of like agility. Mm -hmm. uh, that you get uh, when you control both parts, framework and uh, tooling part. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one day we went to uh, Bangalore, as I remember. It was a conference in Bangalore and everybody was, uh, people were very excited. They were saying like, that's absolutely great thing. But can we use your studio without actually the framework? 
Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, no, it's not possible. <laughs> it's like, this entire study is written for this framework. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, like, they, 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 they beca- uh, when you say this, they, they become like, then it's still going to work. And then we said, like, okay, uh, it was quite long flight back. And uh, we were talking with other uh, team members, and uh, it was kind of an idea. What if we still try to take some certain technology where we good at, that we understand, and try to provide very specific tooling for a narrow part, just to make it more, more, more efficient, to to, mm-hmm. be, to to make developers more efficient and more more happier mm-hmm. uh, to, to to develop with like this framework. And then we decided that uh, obviously GPA that we uh, used like for many years, uh, we also like uh, had our own fork, so we understand it very well. And this was Eclipse Link. That time it was, yeah, Eclipse Link. But uh, obviously, we for other projects, I also use Hibernate. Yeah, yeah. And before Eclipse Link, before Cuba Platform, I also used Hibernate for mm-hmm. many projects. Okay. So and yeah, that was that was starting point. That was starting point. So we decided that we're gonna try with one developer. We started. Uh, we uh, pushed it to the marketplace, uh, IntelliJ marketplace, and then we realized that uh, there are over one hundred thousand developers using it. So next day, next day, you basically wake up. This is a smart, uh, smart move to push it to IntelliJ Market. Uh, this is the only way, actually. This yeah. is, uh, how, no, how no, but I, I wouldn't thought about this. So this is actually um, a very good, a very good point. This is uh, IntelliJ is also a nice software distribution. Uh, yeah, obviously they, they mm-hmm. have they have absolutely precise marketplace. For me, uh, th- this kind of like business uh, looks really interesting because it's like you're you have iPhone. And what would be your iPhone without Apple Store? Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Same, same thing about every uh, every ID. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what would it be without plugins? Yeah. And uh, you, as a company, even you're a huge company, you cannot cover to very precise level, to very little parts of the framework, uh, some certain framework. You cannot provide this kind of uh, the, 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 this kind of integration. And again, when you take uh, people, uh, they, for example, don't use Parkos, they use like, Spring, or they use Micronaut. And not spring, or they use Heladon, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, and if you like build one huge ID, ultimate ID, uh, then uh, people are gonna use like five percent of it. Yeah, so it doesn't make so, sense. So is JPA ba- so the studio for, for Cuba was based on IntelliJ then? Yes. Ah, very good. So it was like IntelliJ plugin because I wondered the entire time how you could build a nice experience on studio. I mean, this is huge, but. You know, if you use the IntelliJ platform, this is what I understand, so this is easier. We started our first plugin back in 2011, and then we had kind of Cuba Studio written in VOD in as a separate web application. And then one day we realized that switching between Windows is just like, uh, is mm-hmm. the way to nowhere. Uh, and uh, we moved all the, uh, it, it was quite painful, especially for our users, uh, not saying about me, uh, when we moved it uh, to IntelliJ platform, and uh, finally, we got really good experience with that. And then one day in 2019, we decided just to try to extract one little part. But the, the main word, I would say, difference between Cuba Studio, the JMIC Studio, and, uh, and uh, GP Body is invasivity. It's not invasive. You can install it if you already have your GPA. You don't yeah. need the people to convince that GPA is good or bad. They're already using it. Uh, for some reason, they may hate it, but still use. And mm-hmm. we make it pain for for those people a bit less. For those who love GPA, we make it to uh, we make them to love it even more. So it, obviously, it's all uh, you. You don't need to convince people to use your runtime part. You say like you install it. If you don't like it, you remove it. You this don't like make a, your decision once and forever. This is like your GPA body, and the tagline is love enhancer. Right, so so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would be something like that. Uh, actually, uh, we. So we this is a new like, project. You said 2019. This was like right before pandemic, right? This is like a. Th- that was decision to to start, and okay. we started while uh, uh, in the middle of pandemic. Basically, we started with JPA body. So this is a fresh framework. I thought it's older. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it is totally fresh. And this is still for the internal use of the company, or you have a business plan now, or what? With JPA body, we sell it. Ah, cool! It is premium. It is premium. We give, we give you like most of features for free, and then some of the features you get for a few dollars. 
But this is or not no more used. This is no more used as the framework for the taxi company. It is like completely different vehicle right now. It's just like fork of that or what? It's, it's totally different. It's, it, it doesn't have any framework. It just takes vanilla GPA, GPA, and uh, yeah. But w- what happened is, you know, your project was finished with the UK taxi company, and then you forked the code or whatever, rewrote it from scratch, and now the GPA body and JMix is complete different idea, reason, goal, and whatever, right? We started with this framework first uh, that was used for that uh, taxi solution. Mm-hmm. We took that framework, it looked nice, so we brought it to open source, we started this studio thing, and then we said, like, okay, our well, framework is great, but it's niche, as you said. And uh, my personal belief was that we can reach way more many developers that, uh, than we, we do it now with the framework. Mm-hmm. So what if we just started tooling that uh, may feed to million developers? Mm-hmm. Why, do, uh, why, uh, why are we trying to win like more and more people using the framework when well, there are lots of people who are using some framework? For yeah, instance, sure. GPA. No, I was just curious to know how it happens. It was very similar to Rails. The Ruby on Rails was extracted after the fact from Basecamp. So they started, you know, with a project first. They did notice there is something which is reusable, and this is how Ruby on Rails started. So it seems similar story here. You started, you know, something to support the taxi company. Then you had the source code to say, look, now it is interesting. So then the Cuba platform happened, then JMix, and then you got the idea it can be even more narrow, more specific, and you started JPA body, right? But but for wider audience. Why wider audience? And you are alone with JPA body now, right? Or is it whole? No, team? it's still the same company. Still, still the same. Okay, company. Okay, and um. So, and this you can be distributable in a JPA marketplace. Okay, so what JPA body does now? So why I need it? Or what, what's the cool story behind? Or how it works? So first, how it works? What is we, it? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, actually, we had like, before we started, uh, started it, we decided to uh, basically put three goals or many goals. Actually, we came up with three that we need to cover. First, mm-hmm. we want newcomers to the technology to get into it easily. Mm-hmm. Without reading tons of books, without mm-hmm. reading like tons of papers and web pages of Bildung.com or any or, like Vlad Mikhailovich, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. So we want them to just like smoothly start. With but uh, Vlad's books are great, uh, you know. You but very to... good, but very good. Need, but yeah, but you need uh, this is a threshold when you. I was just kidding. Pages I, yeah, yeah, that you need. Yeah. Uh, to read before you start, then you would probably go with something else where you don't mm-hmm. need to read. Yeah, sure. So basically, that, that's just like uh, make the barrier to entry lower, as low as possible for newcomers. Second one was uh, to help experienced developers uh, with remembering things. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, actually, if you take junior developer and senior developer and ask them to write many to many association. They're going to be Googling the same pages mm-hmm. because junior developer never heard about it and mm-hmm. uh, senior developer already forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we are helping uh, newcomers to learn about it and then uh, senior developers to, to not forget things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, make the code better in terms of uh, following best practices, Vlad books, by the way, <laughs> mm-hmm. and his articles mm-hmm. and uh, documentation. So it's like uh, to gather experience from many. So for short, your 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 tool is a Vlad automation tool, right? Kind of. <laughs> from some perspective, from some yeah. perspective. Yeah. Uh, then uh, also uh, we do quite a lot of boilerplate coding with GPA. For example, mm-hmm. you change your entity, you need to uh, to have a liquid base or flyway script, mm-hmm. and we can do it automatically by comparing your entities with other entities. Set or your entities with the database. This nice. This kind mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Uh, then uh, also, uh, you, you may argue, but lots of people use DTOs, yeah. which nearly copy entities, nearly yeah. copy entities. So yeah. why they use this, as you say, anti-pattern, mm-hmm. and even more spending a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. So we make them to use this, anti- uh, we help them to use this anti-pattern without a lot of uh, time waste. Yeah, you are right. So, um, how did discussion happen? I don't know why I noticed it two two days uh, later. You had a fight or or a discussion on Twitter about DTOs, and I noticed that my name came, and I and I couldn't even follow because it was already that long. And I say maybe I I just yeah, it was, I, it, it, I, I invite you to the podcast because I cannot read it uh, read the entire you know the <laughs> the entire stream of tweets, but I noticed that yeah. 
uh, I'm with you. If someone forces you know, to, to create DTOs which are identical to entities, a framework is great for it because writing this by hand is just stupid. Yeah, this is this is the point. So uh, just use you know, whatever generates you the code. And my point is, you know, if you start with a project, DTOs, data transfer object, they have a purpose. And the main purpose in my eyes is you would like you know, to transfer a subset of the entity or yes. something different, or you would like aggregate data. But if yeah, I yeah, even put yeah, exactly. But if you say it is always one to one, then I would always question why you need that, right? So this is the only thing, and this was the <laughs> this was, yeah, this was the you, you know don't. this was the, the 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 short summary of the entire discussion. So we, but interesting that you can do this. And um, the, what was this the main features? I interrupted you. Sorry uh, for the JPA body. There are a lot of features. For example, we also use Mapstract. We can generate Mapstract inter interfaces. We can generate flyway. We can generate liquid base. We help with entities. We also have uh, quite smart uh, inspections showing you that your mappings are not efficient, for example. Oh, very good. Um, we, we also show kind of like... Uh, so if I, do, if I do many to one eager, I get notice from you, right? For instance. Yes. yes. Very good. Uh, or for example, which even more interesting, which even more interesting, uh, it's going to be uh, one to one. Mm -hmm. And then you have owning side. Mm-hmm. And then you have on the wrong side, on the wrong side, right? The wrong side, and then you put lazy on the wrong side, yeah. thinking that it's not going to be fetched. It will be, and we're going to show, for example, this like a little even more interesting. Thing. If to if to if you're one to one, and you have the uh, foreign key on the wrong side, and you have optimistic locks, uh, you know, version mm -hmm. enabled, then you get the version increase on the wrong entity, right? So it's also interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for interesting. example. So uh, little little things that uh, IntelliJ guys they don't put a lot of attention on, uh, we we do put a lot uh, of attention. They are right. They have the IntelliJ guys have to stay away from best practice. I would say from JPA they have to know to exactly. provide the best they, possible they, they because to too, too much opinion. From, uh, from and you have your practice. own community and and you have your own opinion and uh, and uh, if you, someone uses JPA body they know what to expect right. So this is this exactly. is exactly exactly. But is a JPA body works only in IntelliJ or is it I could use it in Maven or whatever? I mean, is like it, it is plugin for IntelliJ. It is plugin for IntelliJ. Okay, and um, and okay, but this is my question because what I suspected is what they are doing is that you uh, hooked into um, Eclipse Link session. And then you're generating something, or or you maybe you have annotation process or whatever, but you are using the IntelliJ plugin functionality, the typing and whatever, right? To so, parse code, to understand your yeah. code, to uh, generate code. Uh, because what IntelliJ has is really great. They have they have a meta development environment. I forgot the name. Uh, I they have a workbench for DSLs. You you know you know that. This was a great name. Uh, you I'm, you I'm could not, write code sure. generators with IntelliJ, metadata. Oh, tools. yeah, yeah. I got, uh, no, no. We are, we are kind of like really drilled inside of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is a nice name for that. So you can create, and an, without IntelliJ, on the IntelliJ platform, your own DSLs. We generate code using IntelliJ tooling. And there is a name. They have a specific name for the platform, which I, which I forgot. It, 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 uh, we, we don't use, uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's mm -hmm. more like for non-code. MPS. Thing. The yes, name of, yes. the, of the thing is MPS, Meta Programming System. So if you would like to create your own language, uh, MPS is, for instance, you could use DSL. So, But um, you use probably a subset of that, the typing or whatever, and this is also the reason why... We, use, we directly use PSI, uh, Program Structure Interface, it's nodes, mm -hmm. we analyze it, all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and the... Cool story is why IntelliJ is so strong with the entire refactoring because you understand, you know, the 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 um, now I forgot the name, you know, the the, the uh, not source code representation, the internal structure of the program, so you can yes. manipulate the you know the AST. This was so, the name uh, uh, AST abstract AST, AST, AST yeah, yeah. and you can have transformation of the ASTs and MPS is you know the second part because you could have a DSL and then manipulate the ASTs yes, which yes, will generate yes, your code, which is correct, exactly. Correct. Wow, cool. So uh, what interesting is, I expected the JPA bar is completely different. What I thought is, this is like, you know, um, a Maven plugin which generates the code, but it, your story is really fascinating because you are a plugin to uh, IntelliJ and you are somehow a successful startup, let's say, and which distributes the software over marketplace in IntelliJ. The cool story is most of the IntelliJ users are somehow advanced. I mean, 
they know already Java well enough to invest some money, which you get, you know, which is also good for you because if someone spends a, a, view, a view bucks, you know, on IntelliJ, they also are willing to give you some money. And this is yeah. worth. I would say this is a perfect synergy, right? I mean, it works like that. It works what like are that. the paid features? So if I pay you something, what do I get out of that? You're gonna get uh, you're gonna get uh, more generators. Basically, you you will be you will be able to generate, for example, uh, differential scripts uh, comparing your entities and databases uh, mm -hmm. to. Uh, and this thing is also smart. Be so we create a flyway to be like you know the versions, the the versions which are based on the prior versions with the diffs. Yes. Wow, this is a huge work, right? So it's absolutely okay to do this. Uh -huh. Yeah, for $3.9, you, you can get. Uh -huh. Also, also generation for details. Uh, uh, th these are paid, uh, and uh, and that's probably They should it. be paid. Very good. Yes, and, that, <laughs> and that's probably ne Never it. free. Please don't, you know, don't. Because in my project, everyone would like have to DTO. So keep them, you know, increase the, the price for DTO generation. This would be. I can give you a, a, a little hint about this story uh, that happened in, uh, in Twitter, where we met, basically. It was one guy who was saying, like, this is the wrong practice. You don't need DTOs. And mm -hmm. I was like, uh, can you please show me an example of how you uh, do it in the age of REST API, how you uh, how you expose subset of your fields. Uh, it was for me not for arguing, but for better understanding. Because yeah. if if I don't understand my uh, uh, my opponent, then I would never uh, be able to argue. Yeah, I can tell you what I'm doing, maybe. Um, and this the guy is nice. It's always you know Twitter is a terrible place to argue. I'm so, very, I'm very sure that the guy is nice. I'm yeah. very sure that. But this is why I didn't wanted, you know, to start the discussions. Like I will invite you and let's have a nice discussion here. And uh, it is, is it the best. But what, um, what, um, what I'm doing is um, with uh, with uh, MicroProfile, Corcus, Java, Hediton, whatever. So I have my entities have uh, attributes, and if you if you JSON B, all all attributes can be exposed via JSON. You are done. So yes. nothing has to do. The problem is, of course, if it is not one-to-one, -one, then you have a trouble. You need a kind of mapper. And what you could do then, if it escalates, you say, okay, we have you no know, this JSON structure diverges from the from the entities. In one point in time, we use JSONP, and this JSONP is like a hash map. So it is no more, you know, an, an, an DTO. It is like JSON-typed hash map. And we map it more or less by hand, so we get it from the front end. And then it depends because you know in some projects the attributes are depending on versions, or they are sometimes there and sometimes not there. So there's always a little bit manual work. So for standard CRUD, there's one-to-one -one relation. For uh, for more sophisticated projects, we use the JSONP, which basically is hash map, which gets serialized to JSON. And, but uh, then, but then, if you use GPA specifically, specifically mm -hmm. with GPA, you have lazy associations, so you need to ignore, you need to ignore them all. Uh, you, uh, it, if you do it by hand, you, of course you don't have because you can decide when you when you call the lazy or not, right? So that, that then it just resolves everything beautifully. But uh, but um, it is usable. I mean, say this is you can, There is no single best practice. What I can tell you, it in in, in simpler project is one to one. In, in, in mid-range projects, there is no relation between DTO and the JPA because the DTO is one class which provides something which the JAXORS interface would like to have. Mm -hmm. And the JPA, maybe you have one, you know, one DTO and two entities with one-to-one -one between them and you just, you know, pick whatever you, you like. This could mm -hmm. be the case. And sometimes we have even strange things. So we have one DTO with a view attributes which are hard, and JSON object insight, which reflects the flexible data. Mm -hmm. This is sometimes sometimes needed. Yeah, you know, if you have, yeah, if you have a, J, a Postgres database, for instance, it's very common to have one column with the JSON B, so Postgres type native yes, JSON yes, data, yes. and this is all you know, all the fields which are flexible. So I, I would say there is no single thing, but in my point of view, whatever you do, there should be a reason for it. No one should tell you, you know. Everything has to have to DTO. This is stupid. And 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 DTOs are forbidden. Is also not not okay. You know, DTOs are a tool. You can use the tool or not. So this was my summary. So what we doing in my projects right now? So I never start with a DTO. 
but in all more complex projects, a view components have a DTO, but this DTO is usually different to the entities, or we have different pro problems, like, you know, from technical reasons, we need one, but this is, of course, workaround. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I'm totally supported what you're saying, actually. Uh, and I, I would just add something, uh, any, any technology, if you take any uh, architecture, if you take any approach as cargo code, yeah, then it would code be, is fun. Yeah, yeah, then it would be. I, I, I use DTOs because others use DTO. Like for example, in Twitter, they use DTO and they build multi-billion business. Yeah. They didn't build multi-billion business because of DTOs. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're building the tool. If, if there is a demand, you sell it and, and and done. I mean, this is if it is lean and helps you know the developers. And maybe in some projects we have crazy architects which prescribe to use the DTOs. Then it's better, you know, to buy your tool, generates, architect is happy, and, and we have more vacations, right? I mean, this is... Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it, it, it's for tooling development. When you develop a framework, and as I said, I had my experience developing a framework, then you can put your own attitude of how you think things should work. Yeah, exactly. And when you're developing tooling, you just give people what they do to make it, like, faster and uh, even yeah. faster. And, uh, and, and more vacations. Right? Yes, and even if tomorrow people would like to sh to shoot their legs, then we're going to be providing comfortable weapon to do this. You know, yeah. like it's tooling, it's tooling. You just let people do uh, yeah, more efficient right. what they do every day. But yeah. my, if we talk about my personal opinion, then it would be like the following. So uh, the general uh, the general thing that you do all the time uh, in web development is like REST API. So you have entity or any class, and then you need to expose sub uh, kind of like a uh, uh, subset of fields and subset of uh, its relations also. Mm -hmm. So I want, uh, for example, my student to be only with name, first yeah. name, like surname, and, and not the, For instance, not the ID, right? So maybe the technical ID or whatever is yes. hidden. Or whatever is yes. technically hidden. Okay. Yeah. For example, I don't want to uh, to show his, for example, I know his phone number because yeah. it's personal information. I don't want to share it uh, in this in this particular case uh, because, for example, it's a board of best students. Yeah. Or whatever. And then also I show his, for example, uh, uh, his whatever best friend or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know his his uh, major. Yeah. yeah, for example, his major. And I want his major to come only with its name and number. Yeah, subset. Yeah, projection. that's a subset of, yeah, it's projection for, for Instagram. But how I get it? I don't get it uh, right from the database, for example. I get it uh, from the database somewhere, and then I process it, and then I uh, want to expose it uh, from REST API. Then how would you define this subset? Mm -hmm. What would be what would you use for definition of for this me, subset? Uh, so, uh, yeah, for me, I would use um, again uh, in my boundary control entity. I would have one uh, one component, one package called students. Then uh, the control would do the data. Control would be in JPA. I would get injected uh, entity manager with persistence context, and we just uh, deliver the one to end relation between student and major. Then I would probably have, if this is more complex, another control which gets the student. Uh, ask the major to to get the name with whatever you said, and then create one DTO. It will be probably Java record if it's um, Java records with you know the structure, or if the, because some frameworks support uh, JSON serialization with Java records. If it's not supported, then a DTO. And this is strange. What I will do a DTO with public attributes only, which will be actually just the attributes injected and just passed to the because. Getters and setters and private fields. Exactly. I don't care. Exactly. Just, just public fields, whatever returned, done, forgotten. And, exactly. if, and if this varies too much, because we, we can have a problem, right? Depending on the client, we have to show major or not. Then we have a problem because then you have to you know to communicate. Are you allowed to see the major and this is null, or you are not allowed to see the major and it's not existing? And uh, in this particular case, I would use JSONP. Because in JSONP, I can just live off the attribute, so the attribute is not even in the JSON, so it's not existing. So this mm -hmm. will be the two major use cases for me. Yeah, from that perspective, you say about dynamic behavior of the client side, when they can ask you for some certain uh, for some certain subset, and for that reason, nowadays I would use GraphQL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can also use GraphQL. Yeah, sure, but um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And we, by the way, we support records. 
if mm-hmm. you want to have, like, if you use Java 17 and you want to have a record, go ahead. We also support Lombok. If you use Lombok, you yeah. can have, like, very uh, concise uh, declaration of details. But for me, DTO is not like an object. It's not like the point of that guy struct. Uh, from Twitter. It's a was, struct. DTO is a struct, right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. But the reason was kind of dry. That's what the, the guy said. Like it, it breaks dry, uh, dry principle. But he's right. What what he said is, if you have entity and the DTO is always identical to the entity, there is no point if I'm DTO, and then it's not dry because you are repeating yourself. You know? His point was he was right that if you have entity and your DTO is always identical to the entity, why we have the DTO in the first place? So this was just a discussion, and he's right. This is not dry because you repeated yourself. But there could be reasons to do that. Technical reasons, yeah, exactly. architects, and whatever. I don't. I, I would always question that because I say, okay, why are you doing this? If you deliver me an answer, I'm fine with it. It should, it should be understandable, right? So that's what I'm saying. But he was right, and you were right, and I don't. Yeah, I just my listened. Point was and, and, that, yes, it breaks dry, but you will break it anyways. There yeah. is no other implementation than just repeat yourself once again. And then yeah, you, uh, except, except it is one-to-one, you can just return the entire entity yeah, yeah, and then exactly, you're done. Exactly. So th- this is what I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. Surely. Yeah, yeah. Surely. This, is what I was, uh, this is what he knows, what I'm propagating. Before you create a DTO, just return the entire entity and you are done. And, it, and if you have to provide a subset, then think about DTO, right? Uh, there is one re- reason that I heard uh, against your approach is that you get this control. You get, the, For example, you have like a larger software and then uh, I, I'm, I'm not advocating about that. I'm just saying something I heard that, uh, uh, for example, one developer develops, uh, the, they change the data model. They add fields. For example, sure. they add sensitive fields. There's no, there's no encapsulation. So if someone changes the database and they have, let's say, JPA body, this, 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 uh, this um, data is immediately visible via the REST interface and can break other clients. Yes, yes. If you're adding stuff, no problem. If you're removing stuff, you're breaking really the contract. Breaking, cli- breaking clients is not a problem. Exposing too much data. Yeah, both is a problem. Breaking clients data. and exposing it's, data, both is a problem. No, normally, you can catch it. You can catch it before you go to production. But if you if have... You bro- if you break something, it's good. But you if see. you have, but if you have, you know, JPA body, which would always generate the DTO to the entity completely transparent we have the same problem because every change in the entity will be reflected in dto automatically no 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 no, no. you do it by hand yeah so but if you let's say do it by hand is okay but if it would be automatically i saw projects you know no, that they, yeah but if it were automatically it were, that is pointless yeah it is pointless <laughs> but if you have to yeah, approve it, it it's fine but uh, yeah, I, basically I, it's, your, it's your intention i'm saying like i'm adding so how it actually happens you have many dto's for the same entity, mm-hmm. for different reasons. And then you add one more field, and you say, I want to propagate this field to a number of details. They show you the list of details that you have for this entity. And you can click, 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 saying this, I want this to place here, there, and there. Yeah, fine. Yeah, but this is... This is, this is, this is your decision. Yeah. And if your decision is always everything... Then it's then it's not dry. Yeah, it's not right. Yeah, yeah exactly. This is this is perfect. You're, it's perfect. Where <laughs> people can find you on the internet? Uh, Twitter, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, JPA Body, right? JPA Body or Alexis Tukolov. Mm-hmm. You can find me there. Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Facebook. Uh, pretty much everywhere. Pretty I will put everywhere. this to the show notes. Uh, all the data, and we have a nice uh, Discord server called Air Hacks. So I will put the uh, also the link to the show notes and. Yeah, Alex is there, JPA. So if you have questions, you can go there and we have a discussion. I am there and uh, lots of other people are there. This is a nice community already. Let's, so, let's do it another way. First 10 who request free license for JPA body for 10 months, we're going to give them out. Oh, very good. So if someone would like to have a JPA body license, ping uh, Alex on Discord server and uh, and on, or his Twitter, uh, uh, Twitter Discord, server. Discord server, then uh, then uh, yeah, you get the nice license from him. And then you can decide whether it is dry or not, right? <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. It was fun. It was it was absolutely pleasure for me. I had to stay home today because of like a reason that my kids also stood home because uh, they didn't go to the kindergarten today. Uh, and no problem. Was, so now it, now it, the kids are all, all, also uh, part of the podcast. So thank you a lot. Yeah, I mean, like for me, it was probably the the best bed sitting I ever had. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.